you all. My name is Cassie Prolongo. I work for the Bay Area Environmental Research Institute as a science communication specialist. I also work here at NASA Ames. If you could please just introduce yourself, maybe just say your name and a little bit about what you do. My name is Alicia Hoffman. I'm a graduate student at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. I work with I work with Tracy Holloway studying air quality and how to model the chemistry that impacts our everyday air. So it's a lot of modeling is what you're getting at. Yes, I would say I'm predominantly a modeler. So what goes into modeling? Are you taking data measurements from airplanes? What sort of instrumentation are you using to capture the data? Yeah, so that's a super interesting question because it kind of depends on the model. So the model that I use is called the Community Multiscale Air Quality Model. I refer to it as CMAC. It is it's a model that's it was developed by the EPA, but it can be updated and maintained by the community of users who don't necessarily have to be affiliated with the EPA. The model doesn't really take in measurements per se. So the EPA collects inventory. So the EPA has this inventory called the National Emissions Inventory that it releases every few years. And it's sort of like, these are the emissions that come from different sources. They might be like cars and trucks. They might be factories or power plants. They can also be things like dust that can be like picked up people drive by. And so that's one set of inputs that goes into this model. And then you have weather inputs. And that is actually, that actually comes from a different model um, called the weather research and forecasting model, the WARF model. And then you have plants and the inputs from like natural sources. And that comes from a different model. And you put all that together to run the CMAC model and get your like chemistry and air quality out. So there's actually not any airplane or ground-based measurements that happen to make the CMAC model work. Mm-hmm. However, however, so yes, you have this model with all these other model inputs and um, it's a lot of like, oh, we estimated this. However, once you run the model, then you say, how good is this? Um, and so that's when you compare it to flight data or to ground-based measurements. And so that's actually what my research is working on right now. So we we added this new parameterization, this new chemistry into the model. And we said, how good is this new chemistry? And so we're comparing it with a flight campaign. It was the winter 2015 campaign, put in this new parameterization in the model, ran it. And then I'm comparing our model results with the results from this flight campaign. And then in the future, I'll also be comparing it with other ground-based measurements and probably some satellite data. That was a very long answer. Short answer, the model doesn't take any actual measurements, but then you compare with measurements. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay. For us lay folks, studying air quality, and you're looking at how that affects health, human health, environmental impact, and stuff along those lines, is that basically what you're drawing from these conclusions, your, your modeling? I would take it a step backwards. So I study chemistry and how chemistry impacts air quality. And then air quality we know has impacts on human health and environmental quality. I would say I'm slightly more in the realm of chemistry and less in the realm of public health policy, that kind of stuff. 
with your undergraduates. Take me through your, your science journey. Did you study chemistry? Is that what led you sort of down this, this pathway in the sciences? Yeah. Yeah. So actually I did study chemistry in undergrad. If we're going to go back all the way to the beginning of time of my time, <laughs> I, my like first dream job was to be Indiana Jones, but what? <laughs> right. Okay. Um, yeah. So dream job was to be Indiana Jones, be like a research archeologist. I went to Beloit college in Wisconsin, which is actually like it's a super tiny school, but it is actually very well known for anthropology and archaeology. And so I was like, yes, I am going to become a research archaeologist. I will study all of these ancient cultures. And then I got into chemistry and I was like, you know what? This is pretty awesome. So my <laughs> under <laughs> yeah, my undergrad focus was in um, chemical archaeology, which is like using chemical instrumentation to study archaeological materials, how it oftentimes people think of this as like dating of things so like how yes. but there's like so much more that can be done look at the, the little crusty bits left on someone's old teeth and figure out what their diet was figure out what sort of paints and pigments were used on pottery and if that indicated there was like trade to other regions and like all this crazy stuff so yeah I was really into chemical archaeology I actually had an internship uh, through the Smithsonian studying paints and pigments and that was super fun then when I got to graduation I was like well I don't know if I can find a job oh of course <laughs> it's always one thing leads to another the passion sometimes doesn't align with career options unfortunately right <laughs> right it was a bit of a downer and yeah. so I took a year off I did a couple of different things. Like I had an internship dealing with air quality. I didn't realize that was what I was interested in at the time. I was just like, I'll try this internship and see what happens. And then I also like went on archaeology dig and that kind of made me realize that maybe I didn't want to do like research. Archaeology. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, hard and it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was an amazing experience. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm super happy yeah. I went. I had a great time. I still keep in contact with the professor I went on the dig with. Like, it was great. I was just like, I, I don't know. This is a lot of work. It's pretty mm -hmm. not not super glamorous. I don't feel like Harrison Ford. Um, so <laughs> he made it look so easy, didn't he? I know. And he like <laughs> still has the job. So, you know. <laughs> so what was the turning point for you where you uh, decided to go get your your PhD and what you're doing currently. Yeah. So basically, like after this gap year, I was like, well, not really a fan of doing this archaeology stuff. And I had a good time at this internship uh, where I kind of studied air quality and chemistry. So I went to the University of California, Irvine to get my mm. PhD. Originally, that was my original PhD plan was to go to UCI and get my PhD in atmospheric chemistry, working with a, the, in the Blake research group, working with Don Blake and his research is mostly on like what's called whole air sampling. So like mm -hmm. I, I jokingly say that I like go out places and open a jar and like put some air in it and then close the jar and I figure out what's inside it. But like that basically was what we did. We like went to the fields, we took samples of air and then we analyzed them back in the lab and doing field work for Don was like super fun. I loved it. 
but that was like the only upside of California for me. I actually hated living in California. I <laughs> <laughs> it's a challenging place, especially if yeah. you were in Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, Wisconsin, right? You said for yeah. a while. Yeah, yeah. I know. It can be a challenging place. <laughs> yeah, like oh gosh, yeah. I, I'm just like not built for populated areas that are hot. I prefer these like sparsely populated cold environments. So yeah, I was at UCI. I got my master's in chemistry there and then I transferred to UW-Madison. So it's kind of like a winding journey to get here. Hopefully I'll be done soon. <laughs> I, but you know what's great? Thank you for explaining all of that is that it really show and showcases even the best laid plans sometimes change. Oh There's my no goodness. linear <laughs> path towards getting whatever decide, you know, you decide to do with your degree and you're still pursuing it. And you ended up finding something that you truly enjoy and one that you're collecting air, maybe not on, you know, these archaeological digs that maybe aren't as enticing yeah. as they yeah. looked at. Keep that for the movies, yeah. I guess, um, instead. But it like definitely, I don't regret any of what I did because like all of those experiences were amazing. And I can still say that I had so many positive, so much positive. It, it showed you, or at least it granted you a good, good opportunities for networking with people and yeah. giving you that real world experience of do I want to do this for the rest of my life? I think that's why it's so important to do internships in some shape or form because it gives you that nice balance and it gives you that community that you're dealing, you know, not just throwing you out on your own. You're talking to people, you have other interns that you're working with. We need more of these. We need more internships, don't we? Oh, <laughs> Paid internships. And it, it, yeah, the paid internship part is super important. Yeah, like I, I had three different internship experiences throughout college, and like all of them were so different. And I learned so many different things about like my interests and my skills. I, I super enjoyed it. Some of them were unpaid internships. So like, yeah. you know, that's a downer. Yeah, yeah, I hope that that's changing. And actually, that's a perfect segue because you are going to be now on the the other side of the coin you get to be a graduate student mentor for this internship program that's coming up this summer called sasa the student airborne science activation curious to know how how are you feeling about that like you get to be a mentor for for these students what are you looking forward to what kind of advice would you want to be telling like your younger self almost if you were in this <laughs> if, if it was on the other side I'm, I'm super looking forward to this mentorship, mentorship experience. I do a lot of mentoring in different capacities already because it's something that's super, it's something that makes me happy and I don't get tired of it. Like other parts of my PhD experience, I get tired. Like I'm so bored of having to do this coding or like this research topic or whatever, but like, I'm always excited to be meeting with my students who I'm mentoring. And so so I'm just looking forward to Sasa and being able to engage with more people and learn from more people about their perspective and their experiences and what they want to get out of life and then share what I can and be helpful in any way I can. I My career goal is to be an educator, preferably at a small, primarily undergraduate institution. I, I really enjoy teaching and I really enjoy working directly with students. Bottom line, I'm super motivated by teaching and mentorship. That's what I want to do. For me, this is like a super positive experience because I'll be able to gain 
more experience work with in a, in a totally new environment. Like I have not mentored students in a field experience before. I haven't mentored such a diverse range of student interests before. Normally I'm very focused on my sort of my chemistry and modeling topics. This will be for me a huge learning experience, um, but I'm also super looking forward to like engaging with these students and seeing how they grow over the summer and then over over the years because I think it's really cool that Sasa is meant to be a mentorship experience that extends beyond just mm. the bounds of the summer the two months because two months is not enough time to develop a mentorship relationship and it's not enough time to like have a well-rounded research project either so I think it's super cool that we're going to continue interacting if students want to after the summer is over. Yeah, it's really important. And having people that you can talk to and rely on, just like you said, with your professor who you did that archaeological dig with, yeah. and even though you didn't do that, you still talk to this person. And that right. Right. it's important to have those connections, especially when you're debating how you want your career to unfold, having the different variety of opinions and topics and things that you get to talk to. It's it's exciting. Well, I think you're going to have a blast, it seems like, with the mentorship. So what words of advice would you actually give people who are wanting to maybe pursue a career in STEM? Like anything that you could have tell your younger self almost? This is such a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> Be well, mindful yeah. that plans change. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. yeah, plans change and be open to changing plans. I think one one thing that I struggled with, I'll call it FOMO, like that fear of missing out, where I was like, oh, but that's such a cool thing to do. Or like, oh, but that's such a cool opportunity. And I have to apply for this. And I have to apply for this. And it's like, I think it's good to apply for different things and try different things out, but don't stress over it. I had great experiences, even though I didn't do everything I thought I wanted to do. And sometimes like the experiences that you do have that you don't look for can be even better something you might have spent a long time applying for for example with the sasa mentorship experience like i kind of applied on a whim last minute because i was planning i had already applied for a different summer fellowship program and i was like oh sasa i just got this email this sounds cool i have a day to apply <laughs> i will send in my application and i am super happy that i ended up doing this as opposed to the other fellowship because this is something that is more aligned with what I want to do and I was very happy to accept this and decline the other internship like that it just sort of like worked out so I say be open to changes but also like don't be afraid of unexpected changes or missing out on things because something better will come along that was a long rambling answer too I, I'm not very good at succinct answers <laughs> You're an excellent professor. Then. Yeah, I am just not, not good at like, yes or no. <laughs> I think that these are real answers and real responses because I like how you, you put that though. And it's, it's looking for those opportunities, being open to opportunities. It's, I'm a humanities major and we have a very meandering path with yeah. how we develop our career. And I think that there's a misconception in the STEM careers. You major in this and you do this and then you're this. And it's like, that's not often the case. You can have other opportunities. It just builds you as a more interesting person, in my opinion. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think I, one thing that I like, I have struggled with, with some of the undergraduate students that I've interacted with in the past is like, sometimes 
you take a meandering path because you have to. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you take the straight line path also because you have to. Like I was lucky enough to be able to go to a very small liberal arts school and like take this meandering path because it had very loose requirements of what you needed to graduate and you could build your own major and do all this stuff that was like very cool. And not all schools are like that. And not all people have the time or the financial resources to do that. I think it's awesome if you can have weird, quirky experiences or like take the meandering path but also it's super valid if you can't and Mm -hmm. stick with it. If we were to go, what was the thing in in Indiana Jones where you had to pass all the different obstacles and stuff, just replace the obstacles with different types of personalities with people. And there you go, you know? I I think that's one of like the biggest things I've taken away from all the different experiences, how to kind of navigate, how to understand how to interact with different situations (laughs) yep we live in a society and that's part of it and it's it's not necessarily just the role it's certainly with science science does not happen in isolation you have to work with your colleagues you have to work on projects together you often send out proposals for funding together so it's good training learning how these these good skills on how to interact and work with others isn't it how to accept feedback and criticism. Yes. <laughs> yeah, all of those things. Exactly. So the last question I wanted to ask actually does have to do with people who've been in your life. And I just was curious as to if you had one or several people who have really helped push you along this journey or have really made a difference in your own life. Oh my goodness. Yes. The biggest person who comes to mind, who I will name because she's awesome, is Anne-Marie Carlton. She was a professor at UCI, and I actually like was very unhappy at UCI. And Anne-Marie is the reason that I didn't end up just dropping out entirely and quitting academia and doing something else. And she is just like one of those people that just, she has had the most meandering of paths and is still like an amazing person. I, yeah, I super respect her. I am super happy that I met her, that she is my mentor. Like, so she's someone that I look up to. Yeah. I don't know if I answered the question. (laughs) No, you did. No, that's great. And it just, it goes to show you the people who have gone through like the most trials and tribulations often help people who go through it themselves. Cause they're like, I've experienced this. I know what it's like. I can help. Yeah. Like finding, finding people who have lived the experience and can help you navigate your own Yeah. It, yeah. Super cool. It's really nice to meet you. I really appreciate the interview for today. And it looks like it, even though the meandering path happened, it looks like you're on a straight path right now, at least in terms of education. The undergraduates that you get to mentor are very lucky to learn some cool lessons from you when you get to work with them this summer. I hope so. (laughs) I know so. Thank you.